What's going on, everybody? Recently, I was uh, recently I was challenged to. Uh, I'd say this is this is not just recently. It was maybe in the last six months, and then culminating over some conversations that have happened recently. I was challenged to really ask myself the question: like, what's going to keep me going? What's going to keep me moving forward? Uh, whether it's with uh, what I believe is a calling in speaking and coaching, um, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's uh, financially when you hit some setbacks that you weren't expecting, whether it's in your health, whether it's, I mean, you insert the blank, what's going to keep you going? And I've experienced a lot of these different roadblocks in my life. Uh, moments of loss, some self-inflicted, other times not self-inflicted at all, where I was um, a recipient of what I would call generational consequences, uh, other people's um, stuff that they hadn't dealt with, uh, and we can all find ourselves in different circumstances. So whether whether you run into roadblocks because you are causing them and it's self-inflicted or whether it's outside of your control really and and you experience uh, loss and suffering in life because that is a part of our journey. Um, it's really important to get back to understanding like what is going to keep you going. And one of the things that I just wanted to get on and share a little bit about because um, this is the act of me uh continuing my process and keeping me going, one of the things I want to share about was um, just the idea of, of how that phrase has impacted me. Um, when my dad was passing, uh, one of the last things that he said to me was essentially keep moving forward. And, um, and it's one of these really simple ideas that we can struggle with applying in our lives. Um, life can get very challenging at different times. And it's one of the um, hardest things to do when you feel discouraged or defeated, when you feel like, man, I've tried everything I can. I've done my part. You know, I, this is the same pattern. And I, I just am at a loss for solutions. Um, you know, I'm stuck. I'm feeling purposeless. Uh, life is not fulfilling. I'm not satisfied. Um, I'm grieving. I mean, there could be a number of different things, right? But it's when we come back to this question of like, well, what is really going to keep me going? That you have to uh, dig deep within yourself to... Um, find what truly motivates you. And I would say just in a practical sense, like when I was sharing about my dad and some of his last words to me about, you know, to keep moving forward. One of the things that I've learned about myself that's going to keep me going is other people. And the the call that is required of me to lead well. 
if I'm left to myself, if I say, you know what, like I don't have anybody to lead here, I will make many decisions that are selfish. That's not who I am by God's design, but it's what I've seen in myself that is a result of what we call flesh. Um, Some people call it ego, but it's the remnant of sin in our lives. We're born into the kingdom of darkness, a broken world, and we have to reconcile with that. Part of reconciling with that is accepting the fact that we have selfishness that exists within us. And it's not necessarily that we're alone in, in kind of combating that, but to be the best version of ourselves, to be the, the person that God designed us to be, we have to acknowledge that that exists somewhere within and we have to find our motivation to continue to grow, to continue the journey of becoming the person God's made us to be. Now, it's really difficult when you isolate yourself and you, um, if you're like me, don't have anyone to lead or you don't have anybody that's, that's counting on you. What I found helps me in the process of continuing to heal, change, grow, become a better man, is having people or knowing that people are, are counting on me or there's, there's some level of accountability, um, whether it's people I'm working with, whether it's family, whether it's whomever, that really helps me keep going. But what I see for a lot of people is, is um, they can get really down on themselves and myself included. We can get down on ourselves. We can get discouraged. We can get frustrated and want to quit or even just we can quit uh, because we have impatience. Impatience is a signal it's not a bad thing. It's a signal that we have a healthy desire for change and we may or may not uh, need to evaluate why we want it to happen so quickly. You've heard people say you need to grow in the skill of patience or you've heard people say grow in the quality of patience or just have patience or become aggressively patient or some version of patience as a virtue. But what do you do when you are in process and you have goals, you have dreams, and it seems like nothing is working? You know, is patience really the answer? What I've found for me um, that really helps me keep going is understanding the value of not just having patience, but knowing what to do in the waiting, knowing what to do with my time, what to do with my hands. You know, what am I putting my mind to? What am I putting my hands to? Uh, How am I spending my energy, my thought life, uh, my effort in my day to day? And, you know, honestly, sometimes I've wanted to just say, okay, like I have nothing to say, so there's nothing for me to do a live stream about, shoot a video about. Um, I have nothing to say, so maybe I I shouldn't continue doing what I'm doing. Um, I have nothing to say, so 
maybe I should try other things. And I think really the challenge is pressing through a little bit of that resistance and saying, I have nothing to say. Okay, Lord, like what what are you speaking? And and is it something I need to be sharing or is it something you just want to speak to me? And this, I'm just giving you my personal example. It may look different for you. But the challenge is in the monotony. The challenge is in the monotony and knowing what to do with your effort, your thought life, your energy, your time, when you're kind of in process and you're not seeing the goals, the dreams come to life. And um, I think people who don't have a, uh, a perspective, a healthier perspective on time, myself included, we can sometimes get down on ourselves because we're thinking, man, I would really like to see this happen yesterday. But we're not considering the fact that it took a lifetime of decisions to get to where we are today, or even several lifetimes, generations of decisions that caused the dysfunction that we're living in. When people are on the healing journey, you have to put yourself on a longer timeline. And this is another key for me in having patience throughout the waiting, not just knowing what I'm doing with my time, pushing through a little bit of the resistance and challenging myself a little bit more than just saying, oh, well, just because I don't feel like, then that means it's a conclusion. I also need to be thinking about the timeline that I'm on and whether I'm giving myself an accurate uh, perspective about the process of change. The process of change may take longer than a day, a week, a month, a year, if it took me a lifetime or lifetimes to get here, right? So a practical example would be if you've made certain life choices that have caused hormonal dysfunction and really inconsistent energy, irritability, uh, chronic underslept habits, um, under eating, a poor relationship with food, a poor relationship with working out with movement, whatever it might be, it might take longer than just a day, a week, a month, a year for you to change those things. If you have found yourself in a career for 10 years that you just jumped into when you got out of school and you haven't explored the world of what types of options are available to you based on how you're uniquely made and your lifestyle choices, goals. It may take you longer than a week or a month after deciding, hey, you know, this career path isn't right for me. It may take you a little bit longer to figure out the next thing. And what I've found is, again, besides the fact that people grow impatient, they don't have the skill of patience, they don't know what to do with their hands in the waiting, how to prioritize their thought life, like what are the most important things I can be thinking, uh, I can be feeding my mind with, and how I can be uh, giving my effort and energy and time in the waiting, 
one of the most important things is really setting a realistic expectation for you to keep going. So a lot of people, for example, if they've been in a career for 10 years and now they're realizing, oh my gosh, this is not the path that's for me and they're totally defeated and they're struggling and they just want to hit the eject button and they say, I don't have any purpose, it's not fulfilling and I would really want to just figure out what is the right path for me professionally that intersects with purpose and calling, but they haven't considered the fact that they've never gone out exploring. They've never really ventured outside of not only like the day-to-day schedule that they're in, but also the day-to-day thought life that they're in. When you've been in one pattern for 10 years or 20 years or your lifetime or several lifetimes, It is, and I say several, meaning you've inherited a pattern or way of thinking from your parents and your parents' parents, which is very real. You might have to give yourself some space or time for you to start breaking that mold or way of thinking. And unless you can understand this, it's going to be very hard for you to keep going. You're going to run into roadblocks, whether it's in the ideas that you come across and and your way of thinking, maybe you're the type of person who just finds a problem in everything. Well, that may work for what you've done, but it may not work for what you're going to do. And you may need to start changing the way that you're thinking from being a problem finder to a solution finder. And you may need to change your way of thinking from being a risk is, is the worst thing to risk is the starting point. And I need to learn how to take risk with wisdom. So these are just kinds of mindset shifts that I've seen people need for them to reestablish what would be what I would call a a realistic expectation for transitioning, for example, in their career so that they can keep going. The other kind of practical thing, so I've talked about two already, one is just kind of knowing what to do in the waiting, how to spend time, energy, where to where to direct your thoughts, what to feed your mind with while you're being patient and getting a sense for, okay, you know, this is where I'm heading in life and this is the this is the path that I'm on. This is the right path that I need to just kind of double down and keep going. And I know that I'm motivated by other people. So let me just try and uh, surround myself with those people who I know I can at least be an example for so that I'll keep going. Number two is setting that realistic timeline and just being able to, for yourself, say, okay, you know, I've been doing things a certain way. If I want to uh, get to where I'm going, if I've been doing things a certain way for 10 years, 20 years, I may need to give myself more than a day, a week, a month, or even a year to transition not just my life, but my mind into the type of person who uh, steps into whatever is next for them, whether it's you know a totally different profession or, or a totally different way of approaching their day-to-day based on their health and lifestyle choices. You really have to be able to give yourself a more realistic timeline. The third thing that I would say in terms of just you know what's going to help you keep going is you have to really like value what you have. You have to really value what you have. And it's a it's a big difference between being grateful, being grateful for what you have, 
and valuing what you have. And I've been learning this kind of the hard way. When you're grateful for what you've had, you can almost kind of function out of guilt. Like you can almost say, all right, well, I can be grateful for what I have and my motivation uh, for effort to show my gratitude can be from this place of guilt. In other words, I can give a lot of effort. Somebody might not see that there's a motivation of guilt behind it, but they'll see the effort and it can look like I value what I have uh, because I'm giving so much effort, whether it's I'm giving a lot of time or I'm showing up and, and really like overextending myself. Like somebody might on the outside be able to say, well, that person really values their job or really values that relationship because they always go out of their way or always go the extra mile. But inside the motivation might be guilt, right? When you truly value what you have, there's a deep sense of, and I'm trying to think about the word for this. So just give me a second. When you truly value what you have, there's a deep sense of, of, of like a responsibility, I guess I would say, that is higher than your, um, your own ability. So what I mean by that is if you genuinely see that God has given you something of value, you want to, um, or you, you almost sense like there's a higher level of, of responsibility to get that, uh, whether it's, for example, in my case, whether it's like my God has given me my wife and that is an incredibly high value to me. And, I, and I've learned that while I have valued her, I haven't valued her rightly. Um, while I've been grateful for her, I, I did not express that gratitude from a place of high value where it comes above all things in my life outside of my relationship with the Lord. And there's a few examples that I could point to that I'm not going to get into right now, but it could be on a micro level where it's like how you talk to somebody or on a macro level, like decisions you're making and uh, bigger decisions that you're making. And so I recognized, wait a second, I don't truly like value what God has given me. In other words, if I thought it was just my own doing, if I thought it was my own effort and my own ability that kind of like got me, um, that got me marriage, for example, you know, am I really, am I really going to hold it to the highest value? But if, if, if I didn't deserve it and God gave it to me, there's a, there's an even higher level of ascribed value, uh, that, comes with that responsibility. And I guess that's kind of the message that I'm sharing there is in this third piece of how you can kind of continue that process to keep going, you know, really having the Lord. And this is a prayer you can, you can have in your heart and you can say it out loud. And, and um, it's like, Lord, show me what you've given me. Holy Spirit, help me see what you've given me. I want to value it rightly. I want to value what you have given me and I want to see it for what it is because I genuinely believe like the enemy can 
make us start to believe that like we've deserved or earned something that we could never deserve or earn. And that's when we can develop a sense of pride and that's when we can lose sight of true value in our lives. And, you know, even when it comes to, I'll just give a different example, even when it comes to wealth, it says in Deuteronomy that the Lord will uh, remind us that he's the one who empowers us to create wealth. And I believe that that is the real foundation for understanding how to value wealth in our lives. And I am talking financially in this case, but I mean in other ways too, whether it's our health, which I believe is true wealth, um, whether it's that wholeness that we have inside from that inner healing, from that deliverance and freedom that he brings us throughout our lives. Um, so for me, it's that prayer of like, I didn't even know how to say it at the time. This was months ago, but really the Lord was helping me without even the words to express it, to learn what he'd given me and how to value it rightly. And I think when we can do that, we can truly get that um, motivation to keep going in whatever it is that we're uh, that we're navigating in life. And and so it's uh, you know maybe like the world's way of approaching it would be like write in your gratitude journal the five things that you're grateful for today. And if you know what, if that leads you to value what God has given you rightly, great. If it's a, a difficult experience where you've made mistakes and you recognize, wow, without losing what I truly have that's valuable, God has shown me how valuable it is, then great. Amen. Uh, but in whatever case it is, just that prayer in your heart and in your mind to learn how to value things rightly is so important. So, yeah, when it comes to the process of, you know, how do you keep going and, and my dad's message to me really, which was to keep moving forward, I think it's so important to, to of course, know what motivates you and, and what to put your hands to in the waiting. I think it's so important to set a realistic expectation and timeline. And and I think it's really important to um, to learn how to value things rightly so that you can truly appreciate which is different than being grateful so that you can truly appreciate what you have and the opportunity um, that you get to keep going. You know, whether it's you woke up today and you, you have the opportunity to be breathing and, um, and, and that is of tremendous value, especially if somebody has gone through an experience where they, where they almost couldn't do that anymore or they've seen somebody else, um, you know, lose their life or, you know, it's, it's it's these things that we encounter in our lives that I think teach us to number our days and teach us to um, have a renewed sense of motivation that really give us uh, the healthiest sense of ambition, the healthiest sense of of uh, forward movement that you know help us get through those times that are somewhat otherwise monotonous. Um, Maybe just more on like anecdotal level, you know, I, I talk with a lot of people who experience different frustrations in their life, whether it's a, it's the purpose thing, the fulfillment thing, the health thing, the relationship thing, um, whether it's the loss and grieving thing that they're navigating, you know, how to not let that hold them back from moving forward in new opportunities. 
these are all different things that I've encountered myself and, um, and they're challenging, you know, the, the, the relational patterns you can run into because you didn't learn what healthy relationship looks like and, and you instead learn the opposite and you try and recreate them in your life because you're so comfortable with the familiar and the familiar is actually dysfunction. You know, you've made confusion and dysfunction your friend. Those types of things can be very challenging. And so when you're breaking out of it, when you're breaking out of a way of thinking, when you're breaking out of the idea that, oh my gosh, I actually don't have to work this way, the way that I've been taught work is done, that even just how I make money doesn't have to always come from earning. There's the principle of giving and receiving, and there's the principle of buying and selling. And you know, maybe I've grown up learning the principles of buying and selling, but I didn't understand the principles of giving and receiving and breaking out of this buying, selling transaction mindset is challenging. There's a number of different ways that this can look, but I would say no matter what challenge you're facing, um, one of the common threads that I've seen is you, know, you have to continuously bring your thoughts to the Lord and ask for him to, to show you his ways. His ways and his thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. And outside of a right relationship with Jesus, we can easily be led astray. It says in the Bible in many different ways that if we commit ourselves to the Lord, he will make thy thoughts and thy path straight. And one of the first keys, and I was just talking about it the other day in this in this workshop I was doing on um, four steps to clarity, and uh, and I've spent thousands of hours on the people uh, on the people on the phone with people, uh, walking them through how to get clarity. And so I was doing this workshop. It was like a, a give any gift workshop. And if you want the link, you can just ask for it in the comments. But just you can give anything and and get this two-hour workshop that I just hosted. I was taking thousands and thousands of hours on the phone with people, walking them through how to practically get clarity. I was taking the principles and the themes that I'd been learning over the course of years as I was navigating this journey myself through lots of loss and transition and pivots and identity change, my spiritual awakening, grief, loss, all of these things, getting married, moving across the country, going through financial setbacks, all these different things. I was taking all these lessons. I was taking that and all of the things that I've been learning from spending thousands of hours on the phone with people, helping them get clarity through coaching, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's group calls, whether it's whatever it is. And I was saying, hey, like here are four steps everybody needs. And the first step, the first step that everybody needs is to submit to the Lord and give him full authority, spirit, soul, and body. To submit to the Lord and give him full authority. What that practically looks like is like declaring with your mouth and saying, even if you don't feel it in your heart, but it's like something that you want to do. Okay, I want to choose to do this, but I, I don't know how to feel it yet. You can start by saying with your mouth, declaring with your mouth, Okay, Lord, I want to submit to you. I don't fully know how to. I 
don't even know if I truly have this like desire, but I'm still going to make the choice with my mouth. Lord, I want to submit to you my spirit, my soul, and my body. These are the three parts of my three-part being. Just like I'm made in the image of God, a triune God, one true God in a triune image, I'm made in this three-part image of spirit, soul, and body. And God, I submit all of that to you. I declare it with my mouth and I want to submit to you because I know you have the best plans for me because you are of good character and I know you don't mean me harm. And so, Lord, I know that you have purposes and plans for my life and I want you to establish thy thoughts. I want you to establish what those thoughts are for me. That is the number one step when it comes to, in this example, that workshop I was giving on four steps to clarity, that is the number one step. And I believe when it comes to this idea of like how to deal with all these difficulties, these challenges that you might be facing, patterns, roadblocks, relationships, health, profession, transition, whatever it is, the first step has to be, I don't want to do this on my own anymore. Whatever I've been doing is not working. It has to be there. If you are not there, then you are just going to continue with insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Trust me, I've been there. It's not a good place to be. So if you're at that point, you need to be kind of reconciling with yourself and going, okay, if I'm going to keep going here, I'm not going to keep going in the same way I've been going. I want to keep going in a different way. Whatever got me to where I am is not going to get me to where I want to be because I don't necessarily like where I am today. It's not that everything's gone to waste. It's that I don't necessarily like where I am today. So if I'm going to keep going and getting to where I want to be, a life of peace, a life of uh, more practical margin in my energy, in my time, money, uh, a life that has more impact and freedom, where I feel like there's more alignment for me, uh, there's more purpose in my life and relationships are healthy and I'm in the right environment, and I'm, and I'm really feeling like I'm growing into the person that God's made me to be. If I'm going to, to get there, then I have to submit myself, spirit, soul, and body to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I want you to give me your thoughts. I want to submit myself to you and ask for your thoughts because you have thoughts that are higher than mine. And whatever I have been feeding myself with that has led me to this place is not getting me to where I know I can be in the life that you've designed in your original design for me. So I want you to establish my thoughts. And that is the first step for clarity. That's the first step for kind of reestablishing yourself when, you, when you're when you asking the question, like, how do I keep going? It's always a good place to start with kind of resubmitting yourself to the Lord. And this is something I've had to do. I continue to do, but I've had to do over and over and over again, especially in the last 12 months or so where I was really kind of bumping up against some resistance um, with with just continuing, with continuing something that God has given me, uh, gifting in, opportunity in, and, and really some really unique kind of impact in getting frustrated at the process, getting frustrated with I could name this or that or the other thing, and trying to ask myself the whole time, like, Lord, do I even want to do this? Do I even want to to do what you've you've asked me to do and continue with what you've asked me to continue with? And all the while, 
you know, if I could have gone back in time now and said, man, let me just get back to the beginning here, submit myself to the Lord. Like, I think, I think I might've had some different decisions if I had, okay, know what to do in the waiting. Yeah. I was kind of knowing what to do in the waiting. I was trying, um, setting realistic timeline expectation. I was giving myself a little bit of that. Uh, but then really the most important part that I've learned is learning to value what I have, like truly value what I have. Um, I was grateful, but I didn't value it. And as I would, you know, as I would kind of see this unfold, I would end up presenting what I had, had been given, which was um, a signal to me that I wasn't fully submitted to the Lord because what that means, if you're resenting what you have, it means that you're submitted to two masters where you'll love one, hate the other. Um, a house divided is not a house that can stand. So, you know, for me, I was a divided house in my mind for whatever reason. And, uh, and, and it started to come down. You know, the house that I was building came down because I was a divided mind. I had a divided mind and it led to a divided heart and all these other things simply because I didn't come back to that place where I could allow the Lord to speak into my life and show me, this is what I've given you and this is of the highest value. And, um, and this is how you can value what you have. I was so consumed with certain things in my life, fear around, you know, what would happen if, if I couldn't make this work or do this thing, there was so much fear that I had quietly allowed into my mind and into my heart. And so then I was making decisions from that place and ended up um, really hurting people uh, and myself because I, I ultimately wasn't seeing rightly. I wasn't seeing what God had given me and valued it in the ways that, um, that I'm starting to see. So I hope that that is just, if not encouraging, strengthening. I hope that there's like a, a light bulb or two that goes off for you that um, you can take away and go, okay, like I kind of get what TJ is saying there around those three things that he was mentioning in in the waiting and being patient, knowing what to put your hands to and 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 what motivates you. And then, you know, really being able to extend the timeline based based on what's realistic for me. You know, if I've spent a lifetime or 10 years or whatever it is in one thing, one way of thinking, one lifestyle pattern, one job, whatever it is, you know, maybe that's not going to change overnight. But maybe what I need is to take a step back and reevaluate. All right. Like if I'm thinking one way, what are other ways that I can open up my mind, change my behaviors where I have some healthy, I don't know, input, perspective, accountability? Number three, learning to just value things rightly, not just be grateful for what you have, but truly from the place of valuing what God has given us and acting from that place. Like, what would it look like if I truly valued my marriage? Or what would it look like if I truly valued uh, this gift that God given has given me or, or even just the money that God's given me or whatever it is? It's different than being grateful and saying, oh, I just give generously. You know, what would it look like to really value certain things in our lives? It, we might change how we do things. Um, even if it's just a simple change in our motivation. And lastly, you know, I think maybe the first thing that should have been said is really just submitting to the Lord in the whole thing, in the whole process. And that's going to help you keep going because, you know, it's this idea of like, not by my, by my might, but by your spirit, Lord. Like, I don't want to continue uh, living my life strictly by my might because I know that it's finite. 
you know, Lord, your spirit is, is infinite. And I, I need to be empowered. Me, the spirit man in me needs to be empowered by your spirit. If I'm going to see to it or see through it, all the, the peaks and the valleys that I'm going to go through. Cause you know, when you live a full life, it doesn't mean a life absent suffering. It means a life that is full of peace in the midst of it, in the midst of the, the valleys, the suffering, whatever it may be. So if nothing else, I hope that that's a nugget for you from me. And, um, yeah, if, if you want a link to the workshop, I'll leave that in the comments. Um, if you're watching or listening on Facebook uh, or YouTube, I can do that. Uh, that's for the Four Steps to Clarity workshop. I appreciate you guys for listening, and uh, and I hope that that was encouraging to help you keep going.